Oh, hey, it's me, Brittany. Do you remember who I am? <laughs> it has been such a long time since I have spoken into this mic. It actually was collecting dust. And that's when I realized it has been a hot minute. I think the last episode with Ella MacArthur Foundation went live on March 8th. And it's May 9th. <laughs> And when I first started this podcast, I said it was going to be weekly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there's a lot going on in the SFF world, which is really exciting. If you follow us on any of the places, you may already know. But if you don't, um, I'm very excited to share with you that number one, SFF, our annual conference, is going to be returning in person next year on April 22nd, 2023. I am thrilled. There's just nothing like an in-person event. And SFF, like considering just how engaged and awesome our community is, it's really just a completely different experience to be in person versus to be online and I'm excited to finally see you all in person I missed you so much seriously I think it's been like three years now too much time too much time um so another exciting thing is that SFF is transitioning into a media company so many people have asked me what that means so many people have asked me for the deets and the tea on that and um yeah i'm gonna be sharing that a little bit later not now but um yeah i'll be sharing that i'm really excited for all the things to come in that sort of space something else really exciting i'm like doing a lot of speaking engagements between like and actually in like the next two weeks really so following um teen vogue being a partner for this year's sustainable fashion forum i'm going to be speaking on a panel next week about my career in sustainability and fashion and essentially how i got to where i am now how i founded sff how i created a conference and now how i am going about building a media company so that'll be really fun the very next day I will be recording a live podcast episode, which I'll tell you all more about, especially if you're in the Portland area. It'll be at um, PSU, which is exciting. I have not been to PSU, back to PSU, since I went to PSU for a hot second (laughs) um, years ago. And um, I also have never recorded a live podcast episode, so that'll be fun different and interesting to record with an audience um yeah so i'll share more information about that i also have a few internal um events and speaking engagements that i'll be doing with brands but those aren't public those are internal so yeah can't really share much about those but that's cool um but this friday actually i will be moderating a conversation for earthday.org about the new york fashion act and i'm really excited I'll put the information on where and how to sign up for the webinar in the show notes. If you attended the Sustainable Fashion Forum this year, then you would have heard my conversation with New York Senator Alessandra. Y'all, I have the hardest time pronouncing her last name, and she has said it for me so many times that it is embarrassing. So I'm just going to call her Senator Alessandra because... I've got that part. Um, Anyways, I really enjoyed my conversation with Senator Alessandra. 
Actually, it was my first time meeting her. My team had been communicating with her team um, and actually like a little bit of like insider behind the scenes. So we rescheduled and scheduled <laughs> her conversation so many times because she is just that busy. And um, we actually weren't going to have her be a part of the conference because we couldn't we couldn't schedule it. Um, but luckily, during the conference, we were able to find some time. So she and I had just met during this conversation. Actually, literally, we had just met like two seconds before I hit record. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed chatting with her. And I feel like we're friends now. I mean, in my mind, we're friends. Hey, girl. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so in honor of the EarthDay.org conversation, I thought it would be fun to share the combo that I had with Senator Alessandra here. So I will stop rambling. Y'all know how I do, but I've missed rambling with you. So I just had to get it out a little bit. But let's get back to business and dive into this conversation between myself and New York Senator Alessandra during the 2022 Sustainable Fashion Forum. So my name is Alessandra Biaggi and I am a state senator in New York and I represent a district that's called the 34th district. It usually means nothing to anybody in it because <laughs> it's such a random number and people usually don't associate with their state senate district number, but mm -hmm. it does include parts of both the Bronx and Westchester County. So people definitely associate with that. Mm -hmm. So first of all, I am the proud Senate sponsor of the Fashion Sustainability and Social Accountability Act. Um, I have been a state senator for the past four years. I was elected in 2018 with a group of new and fresh energy around a lot of Honestly, the issues that so many of us care about and are fighting to really make progress on every day, and that includes the climate crisis. And so um, I'm really proud to be part of a Senate majority in Albany, which is our state's capital for anybody who's watching and doesn't know, um, because I really believe and, and know that we have been part of one of the most productive and prolific and progressive legislative bodies in the entire country. And we've been able to do so much in such a short period of time. And honestly, that's because we have really ushered in a new generation of leadership that is not afraid to use their power. And that is definitely something that I associate myself with. Nice. Well, you mentioned the Fashion Act. What is the Fashion Act? I'm so glad that you asked. <laughs> so the Fashion Act is a bill that would require apparel and footwear companies that have $100 million a year in gross earnings or gross revenue worldwide and who are doing business in New York. And so these are, that's the, the standard for, you know, who, who is actually, who, who does the Fashion Act apply to? Mm -hmm. That's who the Fashion Act applies to. But what does the Fashion Act do? So there are several components of the Fashion Act. I will go through them one by one and try to be as succinct as possible. So the first thing that it does is the Fashion Act requires com those companies that I just mentioned, the ones making over $100 million a year in gross earnings and doing business in New York, to number one, map their supply chain. So if anybody's like ask, thinking to themselves, like, what does that mean, map a supply chain? It means that even this sweater that I have on, it started somewhere, right? So somebody had to get the actual material and then they had to start stitching it together or a machine had to put it together. And then from that manufacturing point, it had to go to the next point where it was then distributed. So each step of the way where a garment is making its journey until it ends up in your 
in your home, in your closet, or on your own person. That's what we mean when we say map the supply chain. So map the supply chain. Um, it also requires companies to engage in something called mandatory due diligence so that they can improve, improve both their labor practices as well as their environmental impact. Um, it also requires companies to identify risks um, and to also address those risks and make sure that um, any kind of um, labor violation or labor problem or any kind of environmental issue or environment or negative environmental impact, they are required to actually cure it to make it better. Um, it also requires companies to set and to meet science based targets so that they can reduce their carbon footprint um, entirely. So just one little aside here is that the fashion industry is responsible for about 9% of global greenhouse gas emissions, which is a very large number because it's just one industry. Um, and so we wanna make sure that they improve their environmental impact. And then the last component of this bill um, is that you can't have a law without the law being enforced, right? Mm -hmm. Because you could have a law, but if nobody's actually following it or if nobody's actually overseeing it, it doesn't really matter that you have that law. Mm -hmm. And so the enforcement mechanism is a very important piece of this bill. Um, it requires third party verified disclosures. It is enforced by the New York Attorney General. Um, and basically what it does is it looks to see whether or not companies have actually complied with all of the requirements I just mentioned before. And if they don't, they have three months to cure it, to remedy it. And if they don't do that, then they could be responsible for by a fine of up to 2% of their annual revenues, which will then be placed into an environmental impact fund. Mm -hmm. So to start, how did you decide what to include in the bill? So just for some context and background, so the Fashion Act, um, which of course is the shorthand for the, the mouthful of the term, the Fashion Sustainability and Social <laughs> Accountability Act, I do encourage everybody to call it the Fashion Act. It's much easier to say the Fashion Act than the other, the alternative. Um, so this was an idea that originated when I was in law school. I'm an attorney. I went to Fordham Law in the second year of my school. I was really lucky to be part of a class of law students, 2L law students, who got to be invited into something called the Fashion Law Institute. We learned about all the different kinds of laws that are on the books. Um, and one of the laws that came across my desk in my fashion law book was a law that California had done specifically around supply chains. Um, you know, years later, as I look back, I understand now as a legislator that the California law, while it may on its face look like a really good law, doesn't have any teeth. What do I mean by that? I mean that it doesn't really have a way to be enforced. And so mm -hmm. even though you have the law, there's really nobody overseeing whether or not companies are actually doing what the law is saying that they should do. Right. So we have really in the past year, my team, um, assembly member Kellis's team, who is my assembly sponsor, as well as the New Standard Institute have come together and have worked really hard to collaborate and to draft a first of its kind piece of legislation to address really a lot of the issues, but I will just comma that and say, not all of the issues, one bill cannot solve all the problems in an industry. <laughs> so this bill does though take on to address several of the issues that are really systemic problems within the fashion industry as a whole. And so what we did in order to draft the legislation was we looked at issues that many leaders in the industry and advocates have really been working on to address. So things like strengthening labor practices and lowering carbon emissions, just as two examples. And then from that point, we set out to group them all together and to create an industry-wide standard that we believe and know will actually enact real change within the field. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's already so much talk about this bill and the potential of what it could do for the industry and also how companies are changing in response to just the idea of a bill like this passing and just the idea of what it would mean for them as a company. And they're already starting to make changes or think about, you know, how they can you know, do things maybe a little bit differently uh, within their business. But one of the questions, and actually there's quite a few questions that that um, were brought up in response to the bill that I want to dive into. But first is this question of accountability and if transparency is actually enough to hold the industry accountable and actually drive change. Yeah, well, uh, transparency is a key step, right? And again, I just want to really reframe this every single time that we talk about what the bill does. The bill sets out to do many things Mm -hmm. and it's the first of its kind, which means that there are components of this bill that other countries have taken on, but no country and no state has Mm -hmm. actually introduced a bill that combines these elements together. So that's why this bill is so special and also so important. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think really will have an incredible impact when it's passed and signed into law. Um, And so just on the point of transparency, Frankly, nothing works if you do not have transparency. And so it's an important piece of the process. But I think that we all can agree that it's not enough. Mm -hmm. And so that's why the bill goes beyond just disclosure, disclosure being the transparency aspect of this bill. And it requires companies to engage in ongoing human rights due diligence. And so Mm -hmm. this is the approach that a growing number of international human rights organizations have really embraced and um, they have seen it and have really followed it as the best way to improve human rights outcomes. Now, again, it's also why we require companies to set and to meet science-based targets so that Mm -hmm. they can lower greenhouse gas emissions as well. And so I, I really think it's important for those who are watching and those who are listening to understand that we can always go further. We can always do more. Mm-hmm. But right now, there is nothing really regulating the fashion industry. It has been an industry that has operated really in a black box. It's an industry that oftentimes is really um, just overlooked by people when we think about things like greenhouse gas emissions, because the first thing we think about is energy and mm-hmm. the auto industry. We don't think about fashion. And so we are really trying not just only to change the law, but also we're trying to change a culture around an industry that has essentially gone under the radar when it comes to being regulated. Yeah. One of the things that I've been thinking about is, I guess maybe it's more about the process of creating laws mm-hmm. and what it means when you introduce a bill and um, and see it through to becoming a law. I know that there have been many groups and organizations that have wanted to include things in the Fashion Act. And... Um, I guess like my question is like, do you have to get it all right the first time or is it like a stepping stone and you add to it as you see like more things come up and more stakeholders add to the conversation or like, what is that process? Great question. Okay. So no, we don't, we don't have to do it all in a, in one bill. And I have to be honest with you. Like anytime we take on something really big, It is really, it's not um, unreasonable in a good way. What do I mean by that? Like I am an unreasonable person, which means that I don't see things as they are as fixed. I see them as like potential possibilities of a different way of doing things. However, when you try to put too many things into one bill or try to fix too many problems in one bill, 
it really makes it very hard to make any kind of progress. And so the way that we have gone about this is to really seek out as much and, and really a comprehensive amount of feedback and practical application of the bill, as well as industry um, and labor um, input so that we can understand from, we can say whatever we want in a bill, but if in reality or in practice, it's not workable, then we don't want to keep that in the bill. And so Mm -hmm. amendments to the bill are actually forthcoming. We're about, we're just about done with that, which means that we have Put it in the bill. You can change a bill, by the way, at any time to just simply answer your question. Um, and I will just, you know, this is a little bit of like a nerdy thing to share because like, why? nobody really knows this, but I'll just share this with you. Every time that you amend a bill, you'll see this, right? So the bill will start out as like, you know, S1234. S is for Senate. If it was the assembly side, it would be A1234, but we're in the Senate. Okay. So S1234. And then let's say you make a few changes. So now it's S1234-A. Now let's say you make another set of changes, S1234-B. So it goes all the way until you are done making your changes. We have seen bills go very far into the alphabet, which means that many changes have made, which should just really signal to people, I think, something that is important, which is that changes are made because input has been received that is important or critical to the bill actually succeeding or to the bill actually passing. And one of the most important things that a legislator can do is to make sure that every single person's voice that matters and that is impacted by the bill is at the table with us to make sure that we are affecting change to make people's lives better. At least that's that's our goal. I know that might not be everybody's goal. I say this in the in the real um, unfortunate wake of bills being passed in states like Florida, like the Don't Say Gay bill. These are not bills that reduce harm. These are bills that cause tremendous amount of trauma and harm. So as a legislator, And as a Democrat and as a New Yorker, honestly, my job always is to make sure that the the legislation policy that we put forward is actually legislation to make people's lives better. I'm glad that you brought up who was at the table because I know that that is a big question, um, at least of of what I saw about the bill. Um, Questions about who was at the table, who was included in the making of this bill, and maybe there should have been some voices that, that, maybe there should have been some voices included that were not. So I guess that's my question is, how did you decide who to work with in creating this bill? So every bill, no matter what we're working on, you start from where you are with what you got and you just really put one foot in front of the other, no matter what issue you're working on. And so for us, we really wanted to make sure that all of the necessary necessary stakeholders were involved in constructing the bill, including, and I'll just name a few, um, labor rights groups, environmental advocates, legal experts, um, fashion industry leaders, um, and also owners of whether it's a manufacturing company or a designer themselves. I will also just say that introducing a bill does not mean that the bill is cooked or that it's done as we just went over the amendment process. Um, And so introducing a bill is really just the first step. And you hope to have everything in there um, to start from a really strong place. But I know just from my four years serving in the legislature that it is so rare that you start with the language that you have and end up with that same language. It's just what the legislative process is. And so since the introduction of the bill, what we've continued to do is to meet with a variety of different stakeholders, really to make sure that the bill is like fine tuned and also to make sure that it has the greatest amount of impact. And I talked a little bit about that in the last question, Mm -hmm. but 
what we're continuing to do is also to revise and to add amendments to the bill, which again is a very normal and important aspect of the legislative process. Um, I think that it's really also important to know that um, we have the best of intentions when it comes to this bill. And I'm just gonna like zoom out for a second. The whole purpose of why this bill matters, especially right now, is because we are on the verge of an unlivable world, which means that if we don't do everything we can to mitigate the climate crisis, we are not going to have an earth to live on. Okay. In addition to the fact that we know this is an industry, the fashion industry, that has rampant, rampant human rights violations, child labor violations, and really, again, has done whatever it can to have their garments or their apparel or their footwear be produced at the most minimal of cost to them. And so when you put price over people or, or profit over people, at the end of the day, you're not really thinking about the impact to human beings because your most important job is the profit or, or the bottom line. And I think that that's really unfortunate and really also something that needs to be put into check and have guardrails put around. Um, and so really, I think that we're at a really um, just like critical moment for this bill to even be introduced, but we are excited to have a lot of people care about it and also have their attention on it because I've never introduced a bill that has as much impact as this one where the people who are going to have to follow it or the industry that has to follow it starts out being really happy. It's just not how it goes. It just isn't. I did a bill called the Healthy Terminals Act where the airport um, owners and excuse me, the airline owners were so upset that we had introduced a bill that required them to provide health insurance to their airport workers, which is complete uh, madness. Yeah. And they argued that they were going to go bankrupt. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? Come on. You just got bailed out in the billions. That's a ridiculous, unfounded thing. And I feel the same way a little bit about the fashion industry. They've benefited so much from mm. New York, New Yorkers, New York labor, from a lot of people across this world who have really been subjected to terrible conditions and their impact has really not been positive, even though they might tell us that they're green or tell us that they're sustainable. It's a lot of greenwashing in this industry. What a great segue. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, because I wanted to go back to the transparency conversation. What we did is we asked our community on Instagram and LinkedIn to submit questions about the act, about the Fashion Act. And one of the questions that came up was wondering, basically, like, what's like, who's to say that brands aren't just going to lie about their impact on people and planet, especially if this is so heavily reliant on disclosures and transparency. You know, we already see them really getting down and dirty with the greenwashing. So, um, yeah, I guess like what's to keep them from lying, just to be blunt. Well, so number one, um, unfortunately, we can't prevent people from lying, of course, right? People are going to lie or industries are going to lie um, because that is what happens, right? However, However, what I will just say is that this bill requires companies to submit audit reports to the New York State Attorney General mm -hmm. to verify much of the information they provide. So what I mean is that there is a third party. There's a party outside of the state of New York overseeing the actual submission and the company actually submitting that report. There is a third party that has to then go through it and, and actually verify to make sure 
that the information that's provided is actually accurate. And so audits, of course, are an, an imperfect approach, but they are also one important check on a company's reporting structure. And so this is, again, one way that we can really just not rely on companies to self-report because when you self-report without oversight, frankly, you might as well just do nothing because you can almost guarantee that there will be bad actors included in that process. This mm -hmm. third-party verification is one way to put a check on really companies that I think um, otherwise would probably or maybe provide misleading information or harmful information. Um, I also just caveat that by saying that we, I don't think or believe that all fashion companies or brands are here or setting out to cause harm into the world, but we, it, it is inevitable and also would really be inauthentic for me to say that there aren't bad actors because there are. And so we want to make the system better. This is one way. Yeah. I mean, we hear all the time how complex and nuanced and intertwined the supply chain is and how difficult it is for brands to really figure out, you know, where their own product is being made. Um, and so now if you add on the pressure of a law or you add on the pressure of being fined and even, you know, that that pressure of of like the customer knowing that you failed to meet this law or this requirement um, it seems like that could open the door to people, like you said, so eloquently, <laughs> um, giving false information or misleading information because basically it's hard and could potentially take investment of time and resources. I guess time is also a resource, but, you know, it's an investment in order to comply with this new law. It is a challenge. It's a whole, we're, we are basically saying to companies, you've been, you've been operating this one way. Now you're going to take a 180 and go an entirely different direction. And like, thank you very much. That's essentially what we're saying. And like but tomorrow. I really, <laughs> like also like do it, exactly. And do it yesterday. <laughs> exactly. So, like, that is like, a, it's a very big deal. Number one, I acknowledge that. I also will just say that these are companies, again, just to reorient us, these are companies that are making $100 million a year at least, right? So these are very big corporations that have the resources to really understand and, and know who are their suppliers or manufacturers in the first place. And I think that because we know since the beginning of time, there has just been a tremendous amount of willful ignorance about who's producing you know, their garments, it's an important step that we cannot, you know, we can't overlook it just because it might be hard. We can do hard things in the word, in the words of Glennon Doyle, we can do hard things. And we also, by the way, must, it's mm -hmm. our moral mandate to actually make sure that we are doing everything we can to not only mitigate the climate crisis, but also to make sure that the people who are actually the ones ensuring that the brands are making the money and profit that they are, are actually working in safe conditions. And mm -hmm. so what we have done in the amendments of the bill that have been put forward is we have made sure that companies are given additional time depending upon what part of the supply chain 
we are talking about. So there are different tiers. Um, we don't have to get into all of the details of it, but just for an example, the first tier or tier one, um, which is essentially called cut and sew, um, it has to be mapped within 12 months of the effective date. Okay, then you have tier two. Mm -hmm. It has to be mapped within two years. And so tier two includes things like textile treatment, um, dyeing of fabric, um, and then tiers three and also four, tier three being textile production, tier four um, being raw materials have to be done within three years. And so we are giving companies enough time at each tier to be able to actually comply. Um, and companies just in terms of like when the bill goes into effect, like what happens? Companies will have to make their first report of their due diligence plan within 18 months of the effective date of the, of the bill. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's important to number one, acknowledge that companies feel like they might not be able to comply. Mm -hmm. And number two, tell them that they are also part of the global climate crisis. And we are not waiting anymore. There are no more excuses. Something being difficult is not an excuse to ignore what is going on and your impact in it. Mm -hmm. We are all responsible to make sure that we are reducing the harm on this planet and to the people who are living on it. Yes, for sure. So where are we now with the bill? It was introduced, yes. but like, what is the process? Where are we now? So the bill, so we'll do some like civics because I love to do a civics lesson. It's kind of, I think it's important. Most people don't really know, like, how does a bill get introduced? But like, yeah. what, what even happens? Okay. Yeah. So when you have an idea, you write your idea down, you sell you send the idea to something called bill drafting. The bill drafter will take the idea and be able to line it up with the specific areas of the law that you're trying to either amend, change, or add. Okay. Mm -hmm. Once that happens, then you have a bill draft. It's called an LBD, a legislative bill draft. That's the technical term. Um, and so then that draft goes back into the system and then you wait for the number to be assigned. Once the number is assigned, then you have a real live bill. And that's incredible because it means that the bill is actually able to then start having other sponsors being add to, added to it. It's public the rest of the world can see it. And also it means that it gets to start its first path of its journey. So it starts off in the committee that the bill is trying to change the law upon, right? So right now the bill, the Fashion Act, is sitting in the Consumer Protection Committee in the Senate. Um, it currently has a really, um, I think, rock star roster of state Senate sponsors on it, which I'm really proud of. Um, but that's where the bill is. So it's in the committee. Now, let's just pretend that the bill continued on its journey. So if the bill passed through committee, it means that all the members in the committee said, yep, yes, let's go get the bill and put it out. The bill would then leave the committee. It would go to the floor of the Senate and it would do something called first reading, second reading. And then when it's on something called third reading, because the bill has to age, three days at least, um, the bill would then go to the floor for a vote if it's put onto an active calendar. And so right now we are in that committee process. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I just gave you um, a schoolhouse rock version of like the state Senate <laughs> has a bill become a law. You start doing like a song <laughs> or something. Know, like, I'm just a little bill <laughs> yeah. sitting, in, sitting in Albany. I don't even know how to rhyme against that. So <laughs> That's, this is the most fun. <laughs> I love it. Um, we have to have fun doing this work. Otherwise, honestly. Yeah, I bet. I can only imagine. It it you really will harm your entire mental health. So I think about this often. I mean, it's like we don't have definitions, industry-wide, acknowledged, you know, everyone knows that this is what it is type definitions for so many things in the sustainability conversation. Meanwhile, there are so many people with opinions and thoughts about what should be and what shouldn't be. 
And it's like, how are we supposed to come? Like, how are we supposed to work together and truly move the needle and, you know, turn the industry around when there are so many conflicting sometimes ideas and thoughts about what should be done and what is right. And I mean, even with this bill, like there are so many thoughts on what it should be, what it shouldn't be. Why is it this? Why isn't it that? Like, can we come together to actually drive change? And how do we do that? Like, how do we all get on the same page to make this happen? Like actually make it happen. What a good question. Brittany, that is like, <laughs> you're essentially defining the politics of lawmaking. Like it is really hard because it's like, it's like putting pressure on a system, hoping that like some kind of glitter comes out of it or some kind of diamond is exposed or something yeah. really great happens, but it's really hard and you don't always get to that end result. A lot of bills actually die and mm-hmm. don't really go anywhere. And so it's you touched on the exact point of contention, I think, in policymaking. And sometimes people don't want to come to the table. Let's just be very clear about this. I, you know, completely separate issue, but on the issue of police accountability and police reform, mm-hmm. it has been really hard in New York to have those kinds of conversations and to really have earnest ones where everyone at the table actually just wants to make these systems better. And yeah. so it takes something really, really, um, really special and also it requires digging really deep to just stay committed because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day I have to constantly remind myself like what am I committed to I am committed to making sure that I do everything in my being to fight against the climate crisis and I'm also committed to reducing harm and so that I have to just always zoom out it's not about me Alessandra Biaggi and my name on something it's about like what can I as a contribution to this world do for these Mm -hmm problems that are before all of us yeah not everybody thinks this way just to be very clear so (laughs) not that it's I'm not I'm not infallible of course I make mistakes obviously but I'm a human but at the end of the day we have to remember why we're even doing this work in the first place yeah so how can people who are listening support the bill Thank you so much. Okay, so there are a few ways that you can support this bill. First of all, if you are a New Yorker and you are wondering whether your state senator or assembly member are sponsors of this bill, what I will ask of you is to please make sure, number one, that you actually know who your state senator or your assembly member is first. Most people don't, and that's okay. This is an opportunity for you to do exactly that. So that's number one. You will look up your state senator. Then number two, I really encourage you to not only Google the bill, right, but make sure that when you do that, you look up the bill, which is S7428, and you click through and you See if your state senator is on there, okay, or assembly member is on there as well. Um, In addition to that, you can actually go to the New Standard Institute's website. They have um, a subpage called thefashionact.org. You can scroll down and do things like share some kind of, you know, graphic that you support this on social media. Mm -hmm. You can also send an email directly to your legislator. I encourage you to use that function. It's very good. (laughs) Um, And then the last way is you can share this idea and also this issue with people in your life that might have no idea that this even exists or that this is even a problem because the people who are able to make the most amount of change, again, start with the people that they know who trust them, who understand what the issues are and also are willing to come to the table with good faith expectations to also learn about something in a way that I think we really do need 
to do more of because we need everybody to fight this issue. So yeah, hopefully that it was a mouthful again, but hopefully that's helpful for the people who are watching. All right. So I only have one more question and this is a very serious one. Very serious. Oh, sorry. I forgot. I have to be serious. Okay. Why is the name of this bill so long if we're only going to call it the fashion act? It's a great point, actually. <laughs> it's a great point. Um, and I am not opposed to actually changing its name. Um, but, I th- <laughs> but I think that the reason why the bill has this really long name is because it's trying to achieve something in, in two separate industries. So in right the climate environmental area of the law, as well as in the labor area of the law. And so it's trying to achieve that succinct explanation in its title, although it's such a mouthful. So everybody yeah. please just call it the Fashion Act. I literally thought it was like an SEO thing. Wait, do you want to hear something really wild right now? Obviously. There's a bill we passed in 2019. It was a climate bill. It's actually the strongest climate justice legislation in the entire country. New York did it 2019. The acronym for it is the CLCPA. But when you put the words to it, it's the Climate Leadership Community Protection Act. Like, it should just be the Climate Act. Like, yeah. right, the Climate Act. I'm so excited. I'm like, that's amazing. Let's do that and make it easy for people to remember. No, we oh must gosh. always make things harder for people. Yeah, maybe it's like, maybe it's like a law thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but also you bring up a good point that actually could be a blind spot because we want our language to be accessible, right? We want people to actually know what we're talking about and not be like dissuaded from even getting engaged because the word doesn't make them feel included because they don't even know what it is. I mean, it's like if the goal is for people to talk to their friends and family about this bill or like any bill, the way that it is now, it's like, okay, friends and family, there's this bill that I want to tell you about. And it's called the fashion and sustainability. Do good things. The sky is blue. Grass is green. The sun is hot bill <laughs> like you know what i mean <laughs> that's actually very well said touche Brittany. touche when are you running for office what district do you live in literally where tell me right now Ooh, watch out world Brittany's about to be the next senator do it sure. hello we need sure. more of us in here yeah. <laughs> we do we need you we really do we need you but you make a good point that it should be the fashion act and that makes it easier for people to remember and understand yeah and as someone that you know produces content <laughs> You can write about the bill without it taking like a whole paragraph. <gasps> like you literally have a run-on sentence and it's just the title of the <laughs> the bill. I don't actually disagree with you. I that's, think you're onto something That's my here. contribution to this bill. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should actually like come to the Senate and take a look at all the names because your mind will like scramble. It's just unbelievable to me what even goes on with the way that we name things. So man, appreciate this very much, yeah. I must say. Thank you. Well, thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you for having me. I hope it's helpful and I hope everyone watching really has learned something. And also doesn't just learn something, but also chooses to act on something about this bill and this issue because we need everyone.